Hi folks, and welcome back to another episode of Fuck Small Talk. On today's episode, we have our dear friend Anna, who is a white, pansexual, cisgendered female, coming on to talk about personal growth over the last decade. We talk a little bit about her experience and her journey with pansexuality. We talk about labels and community and what it all means to us. And I think Anna has a really great scope into the insight and experience that she's had in defining her identity, and that her story is something she's in right in the middle of, and I think we all have something to learn from this conversation. Anna is also, in our opinion, one of the most articulate and well-spoken guests, and I think she's a pleasure to listen to. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Enjoy. Hello, Anna. Thanks for joining. Um, I'm really excited because you're second guest in 2020, oh. and we're already like well into our roaring 20s when this episode <laughs> comes out. Um, but I want to ask you the age-old question of fuck small talk and, uh, and let you tell us how you know us. Yeah. So I know you, Danny, from undergrad. I'm sure you remember. The OG days. The OG days. Yeah. I distinctly remember we met at like this board games night in first year. and Scattergory. Yes, categories. <laughs> and you were like... Oh, are you always as hyper? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just really tired. <laughs> oh my god, I totally remember you like <laughs> just completely blinding me with like the possibility you weren't always. Like <laughs> you lied to her face. I did. <laughs> I think she was Straight trying to make a good up. first impression. So I was, I was like, no, no, I'm only like this hyper when I'm tired. And I remember you being like, you never, you never calm down. Yep, nope. But I think we were very inseparable for uh, a lot of years. We were just very. It, we had a we had a thing going. Just oh like, yeah. Just a very cute little friendship, and I was a huge fan. Yeah, you were like my um my mother. <laughs> in that there were definitely voice. moments I put my mom voice on <laughs> when I was talking to you. I remember you saying when I would call you on your BlackBerry, you had the um the police oh, lights back. going because every time oh, I called yeah. you, it was an it was, emergency. Yeah, it was. It was like I'm stranded at this area because <laughs> my boss sucks. I was a mess. I was a mess, but you didn't care. No, you loved me anyway, yeah, and I feel yeah, like that's why we're still friends today. Yeah, I I feel like I do decent under like crisis management when somebody. <laughs> else is freaking out i'm i'm usually pretty good at maintaining my composure and i'm good was, practice which was good for us like, it was good we had our roles we had our roles. i think i loosened you up a bit maybe oh yeah <laughs> you made me okay with being silly too because yeah. like i know i am silly but it, i didn't feel comfortable with it yet i was like so proper i had to be like oh. yeah and you yeah. were you let that down real quick around me yeah yeah, yeah. you were super silly yeah and then shay i haven't met you until more recently yeah, almost this year. Almost this no. year. Almost this year. Really? No, the first time I met you, I was pissed you wanted to watch baseball. Basketball. It basketball. Was basketball. Yeah. I don't know. It was yeah. sports. I was pissed it at was you and Shay. It was the Raptors. That's it was, so it funny. was the, the game that the Raptors won the finals. Oh, I was like, what the fuck are oh, we and doing? You were pissed? I was pissed. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, turn this shitty sports on. I'm like, why is this on? And the, the irony of it is that she's uh, she's like getting upset that sports are on and the Raptors just won and I'm like it, like I'm watering <laughs> up I'm in tears because the Raptors just won and then she's like what the fuck are we watching <laughs> it was a great person for I didn't even realize I was too emotional and that like I I spent like a week with you you were staying with me at my yep. place and, yeah so three times in a year we've hung out yeah yeah we we went on a trip uh, out west mm -hmm. and we stayed at uh, Anna's place yeah and it was so fun I didn't realize you guys hadn't met that. That no, it was, this, it was no, this year, really. June of this year. And it was not a good first impression. But but I it's like gotten so I like you much better now. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. He grows on you. We've he talked does, about how she has like shown up to like friendship. Oh, like, yes. In a lot of people in my life, just like they're like, when did I meet a Like <laughs> He just like showed up and then never left. This like is, a specter. This is all in my life. Yeah, people are like, when did we meet? And I'm like, oh, it was over time. I, I weaseled my way in. But now, yeah. Now, now we're good. Now we're good. Uh, I was gonna, I was like, how do I connect then versus now? Because like, because you guys don't know each other well enough. Like, but I mean, I mean, I've, I, the thing is, if you're thinking about then versus now, you two met in first year. Yeah. Right? 2010. I, actually, a decade ago. Yeah, fully a decade ago. And then, so if we just talk about how we've changed over the past decade. Oh my God, that's such a good like intro to the next decade. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. Oh my God, it's like a time machine. <laughs> um, no, no hot tub. 
God. So <laughs> sorry. This is what I, this is what I do. Rough stuff here, folks. This is what I do. We got some bad comedy. I say things that are only funny to me, but I just say them out loud because as if they're funny to everybody. That's fine. I feel like Ashan and I have a very similar humor, so it's <laughs> good. Um. Okay. So how has the past decade changed us? Oh my God. I can't even handle how like timid and didn't know my own confidence I was in 2010. Like, oh, yeah. I think I faked it pretty well with you guys uh, enough to then believe it, to expand it to other people. Yeah. But y'all were my first trial run of, like, being confident. Oh, man. I relate to that, though. Like, I was so, like, awkward and out of my, like, breath all the time. I have like, always been a fish out of water, and it's, like, embracing that. Like, instead of trying to fit in, just be like, all right, I'm going to flop all over your deck, and you're going to get used to it because I'm a fish. And yep. there's no water here, so I'm just, I'm going to just deal with it. We're just going to do it. Chop me up and make me into sushi. Like, I don't <laughs> care because I'm just, like, really awkward. And it's, like, as time has gone on, I've really embraced that. Mm-hmm. And you know I think that's true, too, for me. I think that's the biggest change between, even if I say first year to now, yeah. is that I'm way more, like, I, I feel like I came across as confident, but I, I didn't really, and I think it was a product of not liking myself as much. I wasn't sure of who I was yeah. and what I wanted to be, and I was like, I was just trying to be malleable and fit in everywhere. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, I know I'm an uncomfortable kind of weird dude, but I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's me. That's just, that's just who I am. And I'm going to rock that. And it doesn't feel weird when you're comfortable in it. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable anymore. And even at my best attempts to fit in, it was (laughs) shit show. So like, yeah. like I see some photos of back in the day and I'm like, I can like see the awkward exuding off of this. Like (laughs) the energy, like our shoulders are up a little too high. We're like smiling, but there's like pain behind it. You're like, oh god! And then you just see a transition. Like, I think I'm really obsessed with photos as as a documentation of like memories and how you evolve over time. Yeah. And just like seeing the the evolution of like the confidence you can see straight in the photo oh, between yeah. like I've seen photos of you on social media and of our network from <laughs> the first year group, the categories group. And we, we've evolved oh, yeah. quite a bit. And like, you can see it like in our eyes too. Like, I don't know. There's just something that like is a lot more intentional about how we live our lives. Yes. Yeah, so I think yeah. the authenticity that we've just embraced in ourselves that we've even just talked about right yeah. now. It's like just, it's really coming through. And I feel like there's just more bravery and honesty there and that we're all just like, okay, whatever. It's, it's a lot less. I feel like it's a lot less faking it. Right, because mm-hmm. like, I feel like we all wanted to. We we were all appeared confident or seemed confident. You kind of have to be to like launch yourself in a new situation, like your first year of university, where you True. don't know anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So you, everyone, I think, is trying to feign confidence to a certain uh, extent. Mm-hmm. But then I think now we're actually confident, not necessarily in like a cocky way, but just in, in who and what we are and what we like. Yeah. yeah. Like in, in ten years ago, I was still trying to grow a Bieber shag. Which if you if you Jeez, know what my stop. hair looks like. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, what was I doing? Oh LOL. I love I it. mean, hair is a funny evolution too because like first, sec- or not first year, but second year, I went with the whole like purple and blonde highlights. Oh my, my God, hair. you purple did. highlights? Yeah, yeah. It was, but it was only in the front half of my Oh hair. my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I had some rough hair Stop. days. Stop, I did not know that. It was like my only way of like expressing myself in a way that was like I, I do have a lot to say but I don't want to say it. I'm gonna dye my hair I'm gonna say it with my hair because <laughs> like all of my outfits were just so prude like I was such a like I was like in business casual you are constantly that's like the dinner table and you're like in a pantsuit I'm like girl relax girl like, in second are... year university I straight up wore a pencil skirt and a blazer to like the first week of university like oh I'm not God. even fucking I can attest to this. She did. Oh my god, I'm dying. I really like leaned into the mom look. Oh yeah, it was great. I couldn't yeah. even tell the difference. Everyone, everyone thought you were like a mature student. Yeah. So and like, it's just it's interesting. Like feeling happier with who I am as a person and what I bring to the table in conversations yes. and in communities. Yes. And I just it's been a cool evolution of like creating my own style and confidence and everything like that oh yeah and like speaking of style like i'm hearing you talking about like your 
you're like more business professional look and like I was always a little bit out there but like now my style is even more out there to the point where like people on the street are like wow I like your style cool and I never had that confidence before so I was always so ashamed to be like oh I like really cutesy things I like really pink things I like really bright things I like pastel I love all these things that just make me happy but everyone was like adults don't dress that way but now that I dress that way people are constantly like oh my God, you stand out. And I yeah. love that. And I can see that shining through. Yeah. So just the confidence to actually wear what I want to wear and like scream my style yeah. instead of whispering it is yeah. like really, really nice. Yeah. And I feel like people tried to personify you as like a kid Yes. in university, <laughs> like a lot. Like it was, it was like a little condescending at some point. Infantilizing for sure. Yeah. 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 And I was told I was more capable than half the people there. You kidding me? I was talking Preach. about feminism when I was like 10. Yeah. But but there was a lot of power in being underestimated. Yeah. Because then Fact. I could show people Fact, yeah. that I could do what they thought I couldn't and easily. Yeah. The people in my life that I have around me always have the common thread of like love intense conversations. And yes. we would like pull all nighters having <laughs> oh, like yeah. really deep intense conversations about like identity and sexuality and relationships yeah. and family and trauma and like <laughs> <laughs> holy fucking shit we got into it it was good it was, it was a good time and i feel like we really let our guards down around each other yeah which is hard which is also a theme though with those conversations that you can't you can't have you can't really have those conversations in a genuine way unless you're being vulnerable yeah and everyone's being open honest and vulnerable i think that's 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 a common denominator there so what is what is like the most defining moment in the last decade for you in how you see yourself oh man oh and i asked it but i don't know if i know the answer for myself big yeah. loaded yeah, question yeah, yeah, yeah. There. i'm like really i like it layering on the i like it questions. no one asked me questions so while, i, I while, talk a lot while we let that percolate can i ask a follow-up question to something you said earlier yeah was this over aggressive business casual attire <laughs> of overlapping with the purple hair like you were business yeah. casual down low yeah. party up top and i had a lot of costume jewelry that i wore as like my day-to-day -day, so I i'd have it. like i'd have like ratchet hoops <laughs> with like a yeah a pantsuit and like my hair like oh that. my fuck how have i uh, never seen a photo of this you've buried all evidence is it on facebook no it's on facebook I'll it's on really facebook. not that well hidden uh, it's not oh it my sounds, god it sounds more interesting than it is when you see it you're like oh you always had those hoops in yeah. I know I'm supposed to be thinking about my life, I, but I've now all I'm thinking about is Danny, those hoops. I've and literally God. never seen you once wear hoops. It's iconic. Yeah, I've really mellowed out my style. But I'm like, very minimalist now. You're much more casual and relaxed. Yeah, but that's the thing is like, I felt like I was trying to put this costume on of like, I have my life together. It's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. And now I'm like, yeah. no, I'm really like okay with my like manic craziness, like the anxiety that I bring to the table, the like thinking out loud nonstop. Yeah. Which then helps me be like, like, oh, I'm actually just who I am and just chill. Like, I am chill, but I'm high maintenance all at the same time. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And I relate to the talking out loud to yourself. That is like, oh, yeah. I remember my lab partner at university yelling at me. She's like, you realize you're talking to yourself. And I'm like, is that a problem? My brain works too fast. Although not fast enough to think about what the most defining moment of the decade is. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. And oh, I know mine. Binary cows. I do, mo I do, I do know mine. But I'm gonna scroll for a sec because this is worth tell me mine maybe i'll get inspiration from you okay yeah. show us shay show us shay your i look. need to show this photo of the pants we'll post it on social media oh I my god can we really that. yeah we can i yes. love that this is turning into because, like dig up because you can see what i actually look like now so i'm okay with like the glow up bad <laughs> 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 glow up bad <laughs> glow up can't oh, even folks. look at this fucking photo don't do it oh god it's so rough oh my god <laughs> let, me see, let me see 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 <laughs> what year is this 2012 that is literally what you'd wear to the dinner table folks that is that is her like monday night lounging at that? home monday night lounging just relaxed just as relaxed relaxed Very danny casual and like look look at that's her dress down that is my bangs like look at where that blonde stops I love oh, it. Oh, good. And there's a, the, the, there's, a, there's a layer of brown between your forehead and the blonde. I must say, my hair, I did find my signature haircut somewhere in undergrad. Um, the yeah. short hair. Yeah. It never left me. I like the short hair. No, it looks great on you. I, it's good. Long as I like the blonde, yeah. though. 
Thank you. Yeah, nice. Is it kind of strawberry blonde? I was like um, rose gold earlier mm. this year because I like pink and I like peach and I think it's really cute. So I've actually, yeah, dyeing my hair, that's pretty defining. Yeah. I was always like too scared to dye my hair. Not the most defining, but I was like, you know what? Let me do that. Yeah, it's an it's expression. Just it's just hair. Uh, my most defining yeah. moment was when I had to deal with uh, a breakup of somebody oh. I loved because it caused me to have to one heal from trauma that i had never experienced before yeah two to recognize my own strength and um worth yeah in life mm-hmm. and it like it was that dramatic where it was like i had to be like do i even deserve to take up space because that experience made me feel like i did not mm-hmm. So then that was like a really huge defining moment in my ability to believe in myself and like be confident and exist. So healing from that and like being like, holy shit, we are resilient. Oh, yeah. Then that was like defining moment. I remember. I remember you telling me about that moment. And I remember thinking you really stuck to your principles and your values. Again, that intention, like Mm -hmm. the, the thing over the decade is like being so intentional with who I am and where I am and what I bring to the table. So yeah. anybody else have, a, have theirs top of mind? No. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know. It's, I think it's similar. It's going to sound similar. I was going to use similar verbiage to what you mm-hmm. use. Ooh, good I'm word. I'm going to change it now. However, it's along the similar timelines. Like I feel like all throughout high school, most of university, I would say, I feel like I was always trying to be somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily like who I was, or I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. I never, even in high school, like, I never had one solid friend group. I've always been an auxiliary friend in a lot of friend groups. Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I haven't, I, I've seldom have I been somebody's best friend, like a mainstay. I've always You're just like, been like the appendage. Yeah, like exactly. Like a wiener. You and, don't really need it. Yeah, totally like yeah, a wiener. Like a wiener. <laughs> you <laughs> don't really need it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't really need that wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have use for mine, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna hang on to it. Bad analogy, now. folks. For now, for now, I'm gonna keep it. No, but I always felt like this this kind of so I didn't, and as a result of kind of bouncing around, you don't necessarily feel like you have space to be you. You you want to make sure that you fit in, and I think mm-hmm. I was searching for a group that I could just latch onto, and eventually I was like, why? Like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized, and this is where the word uh, the verbiage that I was gonna use comes in. Is like I realized that I'm allowed to have room to be me. That's mm-hmm. okay. I don't need to have these all these groups of people like liking me. Mm-hmm. It's okay if people don't like me. That's a, as long as I like me and I didn't like me at the time. Yeah. Because I didn't know who me was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a huge shift for me, and that really I would say was the big unlock for my confidence going from something that I was faking to something that I actually had. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything to prove to anyone. Bingo. And once I realized that, like, frankly, people aren't gonna like me like me until I like me. Mm-hmm. Right. Reach. Yeah. Snaps Mood. And so that was a huge shift for me. And it, like, I feel like it happened really late. And I feel like just hearing you guys talk about genuineness, it reminds me, I think something that was really hard for me, but something that was really important for me was to accept the fact that I was fucking sad. I was like fucking anxious and depressed and dissociative and I was not okay. I was not okay for a very long time. And I accepted that, like, I don't know, 20, 2015, 2016, I went through it. I went through it, and I went through it in a place where I had a very minimal support system. Mm. But I allowed myself to be it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to lose some years off my life. All right. Like, let's do this. Because, yeah. like, when you accept all parts of yourself and there's nothing to be ashamed of, you grow from that shit. Because I had been dating can attest, <laughs> dealing with fucking trauma for a really long yeah. time. And, you know, I work through it and I go through it. But the long lasting impacts, I had to accept it. I had to accept that I am me, good, bad, not even good and bad, just happy, sad, low. I'm a very emotional person. And that comes with high highs and low lows. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's part of the human experience. And I think that was a really big part for me was accepting my humanity in all its forms mm-hmm. messy and brave and ugly and beautiful and just like all these things because allowing myself the space to just be as fucking upset and distraught as i was mm-hmm. let me come back from it mm-hmm. and i still hurt sometimes big whoop like that's that's life yeah and i want to numb myself to that because life is a two-way street there's happiness there's pain and i just want to be open to it all 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people hold happiness as like the center part, mm-hmm. but it's actually just the f- flip side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Right? The center is like who you are as a person and you experience the whole gradient of emotions. It's there. Um, you mentioned 2015 and not having a, a huge support system. Would you say that now you feel like you have a support system? I do. I do because I moved out west and that was hard to build a support system. Mm-hmm. And I've lost some really good friends since then. Um, but I, since being out there, I have a partner now and that's really good. And we have a lot of friends and I've made friends through school. Was there anything specific that happened between 2015 and now that you would say really helped your growth in like getting that support system or like being Mm. more comfortable with like all of those emotions that you mentioned? Oh man, it was really deeply personal. And my sister helped me through a lot. I She's always been the person I've been able to be 100% me with. I know um, something I want to talk about today and something that I think is really important is just um, coming to terms with a lot of my sexuality mm-hmm. and what that means to me. Um, yeah, and it's, it's such a big topic. Yeah, because from when we first met to now, you identify as different than yeah. when I first met you. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about what you defined yourself maybe when you were starting out in university and building communities with different people to like what you define yourself now and maybe everything in between? Yeah, like the beginning of the decade. <laughs> I yeah. found this hilarious. Okay, so 2010 it was. <laughs> I thought it was straight. I was like kissing ladies at parties um, nor- normally after a couple drinks and I thought, no, that's just what straight people do. I'm just I'm just a very emotional person and that imply- that just applies to everything and I think for me, physical affection, like kissing, hugging, that's just normal. That's just part of, I will hold hands with my best friends. I will yeah. kiss my friends but there is a kiss that's beyond friendship and yes. <laughs> um, I was doing that at parties and, and undergrad and I think I didn't really get it because in, in high school, my friends were so openly queer. They mm. were so openly like, I like girls. I want to be fingered. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. I don't know. I don't know. Sex was not on the table. I really identified as asexual, actually. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the language at the time. But um, if I was a high schooler now and you yeah. would ask me, I probably would have said I'm asexual because mm. that was the last thing on my mind was sex. And now that's so different. I, I had met. In 2012, I had met a partner, a guy, and he he just made me feel really comfortable and safe in a way that no one else had made me feel Mm -hmm. before. And I I had opened myself up to the idea of being intimate with someone Mm -hmm. in a really vulnerable way. And that didn't work out, but I really loved him. Like, I really, really loved that guy. It didn't work out, whatever, that's fine. But as time went on, I just had a lot of thoughts about love i think that's something that even you can speak about danny like i've always been a very affectionate and loving person yeah absolutely you've always like um been able to be like whenever you talk to people like they know they're talking to you directly like it's (laughs) very like you definitely prioritize like connection over a lot of things so Mm -hmm. I, i do really like that um it's interesting because i think that i i don't know if you would agree with this but i I don't really like I'm not a hugely affectionate person. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but in a but in a relationship, um, physical touch is my biggest love language. Yeah. And in a relationship like un- unfortunately Lexus also seeing me directly in a relationship that I can be like a little gross. PDA is very much a part of who I am. But it's yeah. so starkly different than what I am without a relationship because I'm just not affectionate to yeah. even like my mom will have to be like, Can we hug? <laughs> I'm like sure and then she's like I'm and my cousin told me one time she's like when I hug you you cringe (laughs) and I was like I was like oh I love you so much but that's just like not how I express myself in friendships and connections and I it's funny that I I've been around my whole life people like yourself Anna that are affection forward (laughs) and it's caused me to definitely evolve but I still like naturally I'm not yeah (laughs) is your uh preference to phys- uh, like uh, love language physical touch yeah my primary one probably is yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i uh I, <laughs> i'm very touchy uh, with <laughs> a lot of people including friends um but i i've learned or i do i should say respect other people's love languages whereas like i'm not as touchy with you mm-hmm. as i probably would be if i didn't know if i didn't know that that's not really your vibe yeah you know what i mean um so 
it's that for me, and then it's also um, words. I'm mm. very. Oh. I, I I like showing love through the words that I say. You're beautiful, yeah. Ashay. Oh, stop it, you. <laughs> <laughs> so love. <laughs> it's funny you're talking about this because my love language is actually quality time. It depends on the environment, who the relationship's with. That, mm-hmm. like, no, it's it's quality time and gifts. I love giving gifts. What are, what are the, so it's it's gifts. It's uh, what are the f- love languages? It's gifts, quality time, touch, words of affirmation, and the one I'm not acts of service. Acts of God yeah. bless my girlfriend who is acts of service. Acts of service is down on my list too. Oh yeah, so. I'm like, oh, you want me to get you a water bottle, babe? Mm. It's <laughs> it's funny when you have different love languages. It is. Partner. Yeah. But yeah, it's just funny because I think most people would assume it's physical touch. But for me, yeah. that's just how I express myself. But if I can sit down and like this plays back to what you were saying about our long conversations, quality time is just so important to me. Absolutely. And being able to talk about things that are genuinely going on. And I think that's why like I'm really happy to be here today with you guys because like having these conversations that requires being vulnerable and open mm-hmm. and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to steal your thunder of what you currently identify yourself as, but have you been able to have those conversations with people around you in a way that you're like, you're able to articulate and like say vocally, like this is who I am and why it's important to me. Like, is that something you feel comfortable in, in these times that you have these quality uh, interactions with people? Yeah. So I'm, I'm only realizing now that I haven't really talked a lot about how I identify my sexuality. And that's something really important to me. My sexuality, I identify as pan. And that is something that is really near and dear to my heart. And if you ask me at the beginning of the decade, like I said, I was straight. Mm-hmm. You get a twist in my arm. I said, no, I'm straight. I just kiss girls at parties. It's normal. <laughs> like he asked me now and I'm very confidently and loudly pan. And um, mostly outwardly. And I, I, I feel comfortable saying that to people. But the journey, the, it was a decade long journey, lifelong journey, older. Yeah. But it was hard to... To vocalize that and have the language because now like so much language to richly describe attractions and sexualities that just weren't available. I think a big part of that is moving out. I had more freedom to explore myself because no one knew me. Mm-hmm. I could start again. Yeah. I could fall in love however I wanted to fall in love. And I could just let it wash over me yeah. in a very natural way and not worried about what people around me are going to say. Or they're like, but weren't you straight in 2010? Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't I? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how honest I was in 2010. <laughs> and that's a big part of it, that authenticity, that intentionality. I was going to say, I think a lot of the language and the terminology around uh, sexuality has come a long way since 2010 or even when you oh were a kid, gosh, right? Yeah. yeah. No kidding. I want to talk about what pansexual being pansexual means to you yeah but i want to do that a little bit later because i think your story is a story of coming out mm. right and 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 while part what pansexuality is to you is part of that story i yeah. think the journey you went on is separate from where you ended up yeah the journey has been so messy just like my life and i'm sure everybody's life is no one can i mean danny's wearing pantsuits but i don't think she had her <laughs> life together so <laughs> The illusion of control <laughs> is very strong. But, uh, <laughs> the illusion of control. I love that. I'm so happy you That's never such a hashtag. Ever. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's yeah. a messy journey, and that's just life, isn't it? And the story is that there is no neat beginning, middle, and end because I'm still in my story. I'm, you know, I'm in my twenties, and hopefully, I'm going to live a little longer. Um, <laughs> but we, I. I have met people and my heart just knows that I love them. And I went through a very painful, painful time when I moved out out west. Um, falling in love with somebody so, so deeply and wholly and it didn't work out. Mm. And it was fueled by emotion and purely emotion. And I think as I've aged and matured, I realized that love to me, it's a balance of emotion and choice. Because emotion will sustain you, but choice will get you through the times that are hard. Mm -hmm. The times when your emotions are wavering, but you have that confidence and trust in yourself to be like, no, I I made this choice, and this is a choice that I'm sticking with, and there's a reason. When you come out the other side of those, then the emotion comes back, and you can fall back on that. So I've become a lot more of a balanced person because my initial response is overwhelming emotion love despair happiness whatever the emotion is i can feel it cranked up to 10 Mm -hmm. and 
I think, yeah, having that, that love and loss, it really taught me that, you know what? A love based purely on passion is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable. And the capacity for hurt in that situation guts you. Yeah. And I was gutted. And I was I fell in love with this person. And um, at the time, they, they went by she, her. And over the time, they went more non-binary. And I don't have connections to this person anymore. But it's just... You know, it was the moment and I'm a pound of bricks and I said, Yeah, no, like I I can fall in love with anybody. I have that capacity. Mm. And that's a joy in my life. Mm -hmm. It's a really big joy and it's something I'm I'm really happy about and proud about because that that just to me is is a fundamental part of who I am. That ability just to experience whatever it is as it comes. And there was a lot of questioning at the beginning, in the beginning of the decades. Real a lot of tumultuous, like is it, isn't it? But now I just, I accept how I feel when I feel it. I accept love when I feel it, how I feel it. And now I'm in a relationship with a woman and I love her deeply. And she, she always jokes, she lives life up to a solid seven. That's her, that's her max, <laughs> that's her max life capacity to experience emotion. And it's good. I remember, Danny, you always said I was going to fall in love with and be with someone who's more temperate and mellow. Yeah. And that's exactly this person yeah. who she is just she's solid rock and she is just I love her. I love her to death. She's great. She balances me out. She rounds me out. And I think that's a big theme of my life is being balanced and rounded. Mm -hmm. And that is how I feel about my coming out story, because I've had these intense, emotional, raw, very visceral emo relationships with people, men mm -hmm. and women and non-binary people. And and it's all been beautiful. I, I really liked what you said about um, emotion and choice. Mm. And I wanted to clarify the choice part where yeah. choice is almost, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting this, please. Uh, choice is almost like a safety net where, mm. where you're reassuring yourself that this is something that I did because I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And this was, I, I, have, I have a reason for doing this. And I don't, a key part of, I th and, Again, I'm speculating. Go. But I yeah. think that it took, it could have taken you a while to get to that because I think you have to trust yourself and in your own choices and have confidence in your choices for that to even be a safety net, right? Yes. Until you understand yourself and love yourself and have confidence and faith in your own choices, it's not a safety net. It's another source of emotion because you're questioning it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a really, really good point. And yeah, I want to clarify like me being in love with the option, my endless possibilities for love as a pan person is it a choice? Like I have my emotions and I fall in love the way I fall in love. And that's just, I feel a gift I've been given mm -hmm. to be able to feel that passionately about people. And I know not everyone does. And that's not my choice. My choice is I want to be with this person. And that does take a lot of confidence. I have to trust myself mm -hmm. and be like, you know what, Anna, you got this. Like, you know what you're doing you're competent. You've been competent forever. Mm -hmm. People just don't always see it. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I've been infantilized for a lot of my life, but I've, I've always been there. So in the, you mentioned that you're in your story, you're in sort of the middle, so it's not the beginning, middle, and end, and no. it's transitioned over the last decade to even say you've gotten to where you are now. Mm -hmm. So did you feel at any point the need to like sit everybody around the dinner table and like really dramatically in the like stupid stereotypical sense of like, <laughs> Folks, listen up. I am Pam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, No. Okay. So, like, even coming into the term Pam and using that term, it's been a journey. That's been a journey. Because, you know, going from straight to maybe I'm bi, maybe to maybe, no, like, it doesn't, bi doesn't actually fit the way I feel, mm -hmm. to now I'm Pam. And, um... Pan to me, it allows me that flexibility to be who I am, to feel what I feel mm -hmm. and accept that as it comes, as it goes. And um, I don't know, just that comfortability with being like, you know, I'm pan. And to me, that allows for the, the fluidity of um, being attracted to whatever gender at the time, any gen no gender, any gender. It's, it's really interesting. It's really fun. And in terms of coming out, I think something that people don't realize is coming out as a lifelong process. You're never out to all people at all times, right? Mm, you go true. to a new social situation because it's invisible sexual orientation or affectional orientation. 
you can't tell that by just by looking at something. I mean, people like to think it's like, oh, you got short hair, you got <laughs> short fingernails, you're queer. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like you're not, you're not awful a lot of the time. The fingernails are a really good indicator. But, um, what? Like, <laughs> that's not a thing. Is it a thing? <laughs> Leave it to the straight people not to know. Shay, you ever finger your girlfriend? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I see. I got there. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Usually men don't grow their nails to have beautiful long ones, but women often do, and people who are femme often do. So it's something, yeah, yeah. If you notice, like three long nails, and the the the, um, <laughs> the, nail, the index are shorter. Make, it's really yeah, funny. Yeah, did not make that. It's okay. <laughs> it's funny. You just said it so matter of factly. I was like, I missed something. I know it, it's it's like fifty fifty whether it'll shock people or not, but um. Yeah, no, I guess in terms, it wasn't really a dramatic. My sister knew first that I was um, into women. And at the time when I was really into this person who um, I'm not with anymore, but had a really intense emotional connection with. Um, she was with me every step of the way. She knew how I was being hurt. She knew how I was expressing my love. She knew all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, when I ended up with my current partner, she was the first to know. Mm. And I told my mom we were on a trip to Scotland my mom, we were in a hostel room together, all in the same bedroom. Uh, she was like, so Anna, are you dating any um, boys? And me and my sister laughed. She paused and she said, girls? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, yes. yeah, that's what, mom. You're, you're <laughs> onto it. Yeah, 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 we're with it. And I was, I was transparent with her at that point. I was like, yeah, yeah, I am in a relationship with a girl. And it's going really great. Don't tell dad I'm not ready. Yeah. And she respected that. That's great. And the way I came out to my immediate family was over holiday. I Skyped my partner. And I was like, this is my partner. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. Really, really neutral. Not over, not overly excited and not any sort of disappointment. Just like, yeah, that's, that's Anna. Like, we, yeah. we accept her for who she is. That's amazing. That and it's really, really warm amazing, and welcoming. Yeah. And I feel like I come out, I continue to come out to my friends back here because I'm at West. Mm-hmm. Um, I come out here. Not a lot of people aren't surprised, given yeah. my history. But it's it's, it <laughs> it's a continual process. Just one thing before we go to break, I just wanted to highlight that because that was a bit of a revelation for me, Anna, um, about how you mentioned that coming out isn't a point in time thing. It's not like you just tell your family and then you're done forever, mm-hmm. right? It's every time you're in a new social situation with people you don't know. It's it's not it's not just static. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, I never even conceptualized that before and I, I, maybe a lot of our listeners haven't either and I, I thought that was really eye-opening for me when you said that yeah definitely and I feel that if I'm not being forthcoming with that information if I'm not coming out there's usually good reason for that mm-hmm. I'm usually trying to protect myself or I don't want to get into a conversation that I know is going to take more time than maybe I want to spend on the topic so if I feel like maybe people wouldn't understand right away I usually don't disclose and it's um which, yeah which is fair like i think that's completely not anybody else's choice or place to to mm-hmm. ask but i think it's just subtext that a lot of people myself included had no kind of appreciation for i will say or mm-hmm. empathy towards mm-hmm. I, it was probably a better a better way to phrase that yeah there's always a constant kind of thought of is this environment safe for me? Is this environment one where I can truly, wholly be myself? And if not, okay, how do I be okay with that? How do I just not get into it right now? Because mm-hmm. um, not getting into it is also a protection of my energy and, mm-hmm. and just me taking care of myself and being like, I don't need. Because um, there can be a lot of pressure on, on people who are part of the LGBTQ plus two-spirit community um, to feel like they need to disclose. But a lot of the times there's good reasons not to disclose and that's so valid. And yeah, sometimes I do it just because I'm like, is this me taking care of myself? Mm -hmm. I think that's completely fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we can talk a little bit about uh, what being pansexual means to you. Our bladders are now empty. <laughs> Cute. Uh, bringing it back from the break. Bringing it all back to um, you. I wonder if you can educate us and inform us so that we can be more inclusive moving forward mm. and the audience can join us in that. 
to define what pansexual means to you, which can also, I think, even what your preference is for how people could approach asking people what their sexual orientation is or their sexual preference or um, what they identify as, like that conversation, how we make it less taboo. Like those Mm. are two big, two big things, but I think they're important to talk about. Yeah, I think I'll start with the one about pansexuality and what that means to me. Um, I think for me, like I said, and I described earlier, I've gone through so many different labels. And for me, pansexuality, it means I'm attracted to people regardless of their gender. Um, like I've said this before, but my my capability to fall in love is endless and it doesn't matter who it is or or their gender or anything like that. I do have a type, like a lot of people will have types and things that they're interested in, but um, for me that's not really gender dependent. Mm. So I would probably be a lot more picky about how femme or mask someone is, rather than are they a man or a woman or non-binary, are they intersex? That that doesn't really play into the equation for me. It's more, oh, are they presenting mask or femme? And, um, Junk doesn't really matter to me in that way. Um, <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Junk don't matter. And some people will also use the exact same definition I use and call themselves bisexual. There's a lot of debate on um, bi and pan, what's the difference. And and to me, it's just I feel pan, it, for me, is just fits better. It allows me that fluidity to be more attracted to some um, presentations more than others on certain days. So it's um, it's very personal somebody's label and I think um if someone uses pan or bi it's always just good to ask them like um what does that mean to you because the way I'm describing pan might be the way another person describes bi it's really hard to have a universal experience and a universal definition for something that is so deeply personal so to try to imply a blanket to that I think just gets confusing and yes it could simplify things but I also think something as intimate as love, it's got to be talked about. And so approaching that kind of discussion um, with curiosity to what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Um, And if people don't want to tell you what it means to them, they'll say no. Like, and I think for sexuality, it's a hard conversation to broach sometimes and it may not always be appropriate, right? Like sometimes if no one's talking about it, it doesn't need to be brought up and if people want to bring it up, sometimes they will. Sometimes people are more shy. Again, it comes to just being individuals. There is no one way to best broach that subject, I don't think. I think it's just a matter of having an openness towards the person sitting across from you and meeting them where they're at mm-hmm. and being like, this is where you are. This is how you identify. Labels, no labels. One's not better than the other. Everyone's an individual. And, and taking that um, with curiosity and empathy, I think, can just really help that conversation move forward. Yeah, I've seen the the two sides that's helped me see that where labels can make people feel like they have a community mm-hmm. and they can hold themselves to an identity that they haven't been able to, to see in the world so mm-hmm. far. But then also I've seen the side of like labels can be limiting because I want to be more fluid with it because I don't necessarily think my community is defined by this title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like and I hope that people feel comfortable putting themselves in whatever place they want to be for what they need out of it yes so like uh, um, a few people in my life have come out recently and some really gravitate towards the the label of it because again they haven't had a way to define themselves so far in their life Mm -hmm. and have felt sort of like lost through it but then another person who came out to me recently as bi but then Mm -hmm. like immediately was like I don't know if this is the label that fits me because it doesn't feel like it fits me it feels like I may decide something else later and I was like that is totally your choice Mm -hmm. and you don't have to say anything of like I am this or I identify as this until you feel like you need it Mm -hmm. because your community can be whatever it is yeah um yeah yeah no and I think that's a really good nice eloquent way of putting it and sometimes I liken labels to a shirt before I found um you know I used by for a while and it felt like an ill-fitting shirt it fit but not quite right and pan just fits like a nice a nice fitted shirt that I like to wear and sometimes maybe I'll forego the labels and go topless for a while, and that's <laughs> fine. And like, um, but like I said, I've tried to build in that fluidity into Pan. To me, 
being pan means I have that fluidity. And just because maybe one day I'm not attracted to femmes, um, that doesn't mean I'm any less attracted to women or maybe one day, maybe I like um, my girlfriend better when she's in drag. Like, that's fine. Like, that's, I give myself permission to change and grow and shift. And I've built that into my definition of pansexuality. And not everyone will. Some people will. Some people won't. And it's just, yeah, I think something that you can always do to make people feel comfortable is allow them that space. Because it can come with a lot of stress, especially in the bi-pan community. I think that's yeah. something I would like to talk about, too. I've heard some sentiments that some folks wouldn't consider by an, an even a sexual identity, that it's the transitionary one before they can identify as gay. Yeah, yeah. Which it's, I don't. It's like 2020. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't like it. And who are you to say? Just because you can pick some examples of people who did have that transition, which good for them, mm -hmm. that they made it, they went from identifying as straight to bi to gay. Mm -hmm. Sure. But also that doesn't invalidate the existence of an identity a hundred percent and even thinking back to the point when i said in high school i would have de defined myself as asexual mm, yeah um i don't define that way anymore but that doesn't make the time when i did identify as asexual any less valid and there are people who are asexual and me not thinning through that for my entire lifespan does not diminish the fact that is valid and real identity mm -hmm. and i think there are examples of people who who are bi or identified as bi and shift out of that because that's just human nature. People change, they grow, they they become whatever they are in a moment. And yeah, it's really, to me, it's really hurtful to hear that they don't consider bi or pan a valid mm -hmm. um, identity because it, it can really be home for so many people. It can be a comfort, it can be a hug at the, long of, like at the end of a long day. But the reality that I've experienced being someone as a pansexual person is there is a double kind of discrimination, that's what it's called, where you're not gay enough for the gay community and you're not straight enough for the straight community. Mm. And you're kind of left mm. in the kind of purgatory where nobody really wants you around because you're not good gay rep because why are you um let's say right now i am with a woman but i've been with men before and so they would say well this isn't the kind of rep i want for the queer community Ugh. but now that i'm with a woman straight people would be like well you're not really good straight rep are you because now you're with a woman you're a lesbian now and it's like no i'm not a lesbian now i i have never been a lesbian and even though I use the word straights, I've never been straight before either. So it's it's people telling you what you are. I think that can be one of the most harmful things to do is saying that's that's not quite right. It's really unfortunate that there are still populations of people who, quite frankly, don't mind their own business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not up to you to educate others on why your way is the right way or why your perspective is the right perspective mm -hmm. or the accurate one. It's like. I just have a different one. Yeah. I think it comes back to the concept of just giving people space to be who they are. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I think, and this is, might be a little off topic tangential and not the same. I'm not liking them, but I've, I have friends who yeah. are half black and half white mm -hmm. that say similar things. Like I'm not, I'm never black enough mm. for the black community. I'm not yeah. white enough for the white community, but you're like, you don't have, you don't have to be, you are you and, yeah. and people like you for you. Right. It's not, it's not like you have to fit into one of those. And I think that if we just give people space to be themselves, not necessarily in bucket A or bucket B or mm -hmm. bucket C, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Why is that something? Why do they have to pick a side? Why isn't where they are just as beautiful as where anyone mm -hmm. else is, it's right? Just, it's just they, like give them the space to be what they are. Be who they and are. And the same applies, I think, to, to bi and pansexual people as well, Definitely. right? Like they, they don't need to be on either side of, the, of whatever that debate is. Yeah. We, we, are, we are where we are. It's a good place. And it's a fun place. I just wish people would, would stop demanding that we be something we're not to, to make things easier or to make things less painful. I, don't, I do have a hard time understanding where it comes from. And mm. it probably comes from different places for all people. But it is, it's not make it any less hurtful when you feel like, why am I not allowed kind of what you're saying to take up space here yeah why am i not allowed to be here yeah and no, that's a really interesting open question i'd love any feedback listeners have too but i feel like there's a inherent need for a lot of humans to 
have like essentially a rule book mm. we constantly like religion's a huge influence in the world and like mm-hmm. that is essentially like a rule book a way of living a way of thinking a way of being held responsible and as we define an acronym like lgbtq and before it was a plus at the mm-hmm. end of like yeah there's not just lgbtq five letters lettuce bacon <laughs> tomatoes uh ketchup yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) people were like oh okay i have the five letters i have the rule book and then it was like okay let's start putting definitions to them because i need more context to the rule book it's this like inherent need to be like humans crave this order and classification exactly like the the way science is with the animal kingdom and stuff like it's Mm -hmm. we just crave that shit Mm -hmm. and and the thought of something being fluid and abstract and not having defined boundaries i think scares people because they can't make sense of it yeah I don't think they, really they need down, to right? be scared, though, because there's no threat to expression. <laughs> yeah, what is your threat? Yeah. You oh, God, want. you're happy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know yeah. who you are. Oh, my God. Am I insignificant now that you're happy? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good... I think there is... And I think that goes... Um, this is kind of a different concept of, like, modernism and postmodernism, where in modernism, there's a big stretch to objectify things and put things in neat, orderly categories and postmodernism is more fluid things are on a contingency but i think to go beyond and go to an integral mindset where things are all connected and there can be objective and subjective truth and those things can all exist in harmony um i think that's what that's what can be missing and i think that's where people are going a lot of young people they are um They've got it. They've got it down. They've got sexuality, the language. They have the language. They can express themselves. I think pansexual people and bisexual people, while there is still a struggle, I think the younger people are just making more space for them and allowing them to occupy it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Modernism and postmodernism for myself are Mm -hmm. not terms that I've heard before. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you seem to be comfortable with, more comfortable than I am at least, what what does that mean? Like, are, are we? Would you say that over the next decade, especially as young people take up more space in the world, mm-hmm. we're moving towards a postmodernist era, mm-hmm. whereas the past decade would be predominantly modernist? Is that? Yeah. So, a modernism and postmodernisms are like a kind of consciousness, and I wish I could tell you where I learned this. I mean, I learned it from a gender class that I took in university, my master's degree, but I cannot remember the source material. Um, we don't fact check on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, the idea is that as a collective, our society has a dominant kind of mindset. And for a very long time, it's been modernist, which is the rise of scientific evidence and things are neutral mm. and everything is neutrality. When in fact, it's been mostly white male cis people. Um, neutrality is parading as um really the perspective of white male cis mm-hmm. people. It's not neutral at all. Because yeah. everyone embodies an identity. Everybody embodies a place on a map. Just because you're part of the majority does not make it neutral. Neutrality is a very difficult concept to even get at. No one can be neutral. We all embody who we are. You cannot separate my gender from my sexuality from from any part of me. I am a whole. I'm an integrated whole. And we can try to break down people into parts, but you never quite get the whole full story, do you? Mm-hmm. So, I, I kind of know what you yeah. mean. And then I kind of also see the language, like, so the language changing, where, mm-hmm. like you said, we have the language. And, and more and more in more areas than just sexuality, I think you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this if this is part of postmodernism <laughs> or not, we're, we're going towards things being on a spectrum, not just yeah. being like in bucket A, bucket C, or bucket B, mm-hmm. right? Like even 10 years ago, people would have been like, okay, you have, you're either not autistic, you have autism. I was just going to bring in the autism <laughs> yeah. spectrum. But now yeah. it's a spectrum. Yeah, yep. it's and there's spectrum. some people that believe everybody's on the spectrum in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form, right? And, then, and now we talk about the, the kind of sexuality is a spectrum too. Yeah. And we talk about a lot of things where not necessarily there's just boxes to fill, but there's a spectrum and you can be anywhere or in between or yeah. whatever the case is, wherever you fall, and that's okay because that's the... That's essentially the continuum. Yeah, and I think eventually we'll move even beyond spectrums. Because how do you say sexuality is on a spectrum when people feel like dots outside of the grid, right? Well, and I think a spectrum, the danger with a spectrum is it might define the extremes. It's polarizing. Ooh, true. And so if you're like, oh, well, what is it straight versus gay? And that's where like buys that gradient of the middle and like you have to pick an extreme. You're not, um, I'm not in between anyone. I stand on my own. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I, I do like the transition of saying, okay, we, from boxes to spectrum. I think acknowledging progress 
is still beneficial mm-hmm. with the understanding that it's not the end. Like we've made it across the finish line of inclusivity. Yes. Yes. And I, I think that. we will move beyond spectrums at some point. I think that's, yeah. Because everyone inhabits a unique identity. Mm. I really wish we had some somebody from the indigenous community to shed some light here. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like from my limited understanding, they do a really good job of acknowledging yeah. multiple identities, acknowledging why things are of value and of benefit to the community. Like yeah. there's just a lot there. I, if anybody listening has any insight or feels something from what we've said, love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a lot of wisdom here that I've pulled from the collective wisdom. And in that collective wisdom are the voices of so many indigenous people that I would love to hear spotlighted. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for indulging my my modernism tangent. I do I do have like kind of a broader question and I want to hear your opinion. I guess what my question is is when I, and what I'm driving at is it feels like there's a lot of roadblocks and there's a lot of taboo <laughs> around the conversation still. Yeah. And I think that like people would say these kinds of conversations aren't appropriate dinner table talk, mm. right? Or mm-hmm. and, and just like that kind of sentiment sentiment stigmatization whatever you want to call it but that Mm -hmm. kind of uh it invokes those feelings and Mm -hmm. then i I, I, my question is why because the conversation we've had today i think is i would have this at dinner i would have this i would have this almost anywhere i don't see an issue with it Mm -hmm. but i feel like a lot of people do and i'm trying to understand why and i don't know why i want to hear what your opinions are on that yeah i think something that comes up when you talk about sexuality or your affectional feelings is there's this weird this weird habit to sexualize it. And so people don't want to have dinner table talk about something that's inappropriate. Right. And a lot of the times people think, oh, you're talking about queerness, you're talking about lesbianism, you're talking about people being gay, you're talking about people being pan or bi or whatever they identify as. That's not appropriate. Right. That's that's sexual. It's it's it can be really it's it doesn't have to be sex at all, but people really hone in on that aspect of sexuality don't know if that's because sex is in the word or just because people are curious but oftentimes when you talk about sexuality there is this weird conflation with sex and sexual acts yeah and, and i think i think a really good point is something you said earlier when we weren't recording is that when we talk about somebody being straight we're not talking we like it doesn't invoke images of sex and, <laughs> and like just doing it right and then yeah. like it's a, it, it, i feel like people would be those same people who are uncomfortable with a talk of sexuality at a dinner table mm. would be fine if if we're talking about straightness at a dinner table yeah no like it's it's they're two different things well and it's uh, there's so much that we're still even recover i'm going to use the word recovering recovering mm-hmm. from in how um, sexuality outside of a heterosexual context is fetishized mm-hmm. and how that's just so unfair to those communities yeah, and to those people that that is their way of life and then they have to battle against ignorance of being like, oh, then I know what your life is like because I've... Like, I'm sexualizing that. So I'm yeah. immediately picturing some... Like, it's just... It's unfortunate that there's that level of ignorance still around. It can be exhausting for sure to deal with because it's like, why, why is my love sexual like Mm -hmm. in any way? And um, I mean, it is sexual, but like, that's not what, when I'm trying to talk about my girlfriend, I'm often not trying to give graphic details of how we do it. So I don't know why that's where people are going. I'm usually just trying to say how much I love her and appreciate her support. Yeah, she's a big part of your life. She's very important to you. It diminishes the, sexualizing it diminishes the potential of a a real like connection Mm -hmm. of romance and love and intimacy. Like when you think about normal dinner table talk in a heterosexual relationship, if um, you're talking about it with your parents or something like that, Usually it's focused more on the romantic um, aspects of the relationship. Normally you're saying, oh, this guy, he did this for me, or mm-hmm. this is what happened. You normally don't get into, like, what grade of handcuffs you used with your man last night. <laughs> so I don't know why that would be expected of me to do with my girlfriend. So I think it's just more normalizing to focus on the romantic aspect of it because that seems to be what is done with heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. It's mostly focused on the yeah. romance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, it's, 
it's just a normalizing thing. And I personally, I don't really want to talk about sex with my parents. Nope. And I never, yeah, right? There's a very visceral, <laughs> yeah. like, mm, maybe not. And some people might. Like, it's it's every family and every system is different. But that's, I never even did that. Not not when I was dating guys and, and certainly not now. When I look at my friends, I zoom out and I look at my support system and my friend group. Something I notice is just the openness of all my friends. They're non-judgmental. They're really just, they're accepting and I think that's something I really, really value. And I need to have those conversations. And I want to be someone who is accepting and open, even if I don't understand something right away, um, just to be able to accept people as they are, as they come to me. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's I think that's what we as people need. I don't want to have to feel a lot of the times that I have to justify my existence as a pan person. Mm-hmm. I just want to feel loved for who I am. I was at an event. It was a bunch of people who identified as lesbians. They were going through this girl's Tinder and they're like, oh, she says she's bi, but she's posing with a popsicle. There's no way this girl is gay. I didn't know it at the time, but what I wanted to say was she's not gay. She never said she was gay. She's bi. Bi people have their own culture. Bi people are not a transition. Pan people, they are not an in-between. They are their own people. That invalidation, I felt so deeply uncomfortable. I went to this queer event because I was like, I want to try and go to, to more lgbtq to spirit plus events and when i did i felt so excluded to the point may as well just be a straight event i think we've had a really robust discussion today mm-hmm. i think we're all ready for our favorite segment big talk small summaries <laughs> yeah, are we yeah, good yeah. yeah okay who's going first I have something I really want to say, and it's not quite a good summary, but I will go ahead and say it. I just wanted to say to anyone listening who is by or pan, I always just like to say you're valid, you're loved, I love you, everybody, and you have a gift. And, and that goes to a lot of people who are part of the queer community, no matter how you identify. You are so, so, so loved, um, and I hope you feel that in your daily life because you deserve it. And... I'm just a small, small, small part of a huge community. And I would love to hear more voices of trans people, of lesbian people, gay people, anyone who's part of the community. Two-Spirit, we talked about indigenous people coming on. There's so many voices and so many stories to hear. And mine's just one very, very small story. And it's had so much fun talking about it in a really safe environment. And I think everyone deserves that. So. I'm really looking forward to hearing more stories of people um, who are part of such a such a robust and lively and colorful and joyous and beautiful and I could go on and on forever community. And I think it's really just about love, intentionality, genuineness and, and accepting yourself for who you are and um, I hope you get that in your daily life because you all deserve it. <laughs> that was really wholesome. Preach, you're preach, preach, preach. I literally have tears in my eyes. I like that you started with your valid. Like, that was a good... Huge. Um, I have one. That was wholesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> is it okay if I go next? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, my phrase is going to be you don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that from my perspective of being a straight white female where I continually see and hear stories and phrases and words that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that I am not doing a good job at being an advocate. It doesn't mean I'm not doing a good job of finding communities that are unlike my own. It just means I'm learning. Mm -hmm. So uh, you don't have to have the answers. It doesn't make you behind. It just makes you now moving forward. So um, that's going to be mine because I think some people feel scared that they don't know the answers or if somebody Mm -hmm. says something, they're unclear of what that actually means. They're like, oh, that's scary or I'm ignorant or I'm wrong or something like that or you're wrong because I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it can be dangerous, but it really doesn't have to be. It's so cool to learn new things. I love that. Beautiful. I love that. Um, Mine, in typical Ashe fashion, is kind of wishy-washy and, <laughs> and vague. The huge. The huge. But in my head, it sounds really profound. And it, in my, <laughs> they always Let's do. Let's hear it. <laughs> they always do. And I, I, I mean this a lot from the heart. And I think this applies deeply to the topic of sexuality. But I also think it applies um, in a lot of other topics in a lot of other ways. And so... 
I guess my big talk small summary is you don't have to fit. There's nothing to fit into. There's mm-hmm. nothing you need to be. It, wherever you are, whatever you are, whoever you are right now is amazing. It's beautiful. And it's exactly what you need to be and probably mm-hmm. exactly where you need to be right now. You're on your own journey. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's, you're not a square peg in a round <laughs> hole. It's, it's not, it's not, great reference. you just need to be you and you're doing a great job of being you and just, just keep being you. You're enough. You're enough. Keep doing More than you, enough. boo-boo. More than you. Beautiful. I really liked your phrase, Anna, of being like, we're in the middle of our stories that we can't right now define the beginning, the middle, and the end. I think that's a really like, uh, a really, I'm going to also use neutral, but neutral way for people to connect to their own lives right now is you're in the middle of your story. Mm-hmm. You don't know where you are. Love that. You yeah. won't know where you are. You can't zoom out. You can't see the future. Yeah. You can only see the past and you don't know what, what anything has in the store. Yeah. Yeah. And on that positive note. Amazing. <laughs> I think we want to thank you so, so, so much for coming on and talking to us today, Anna. Yeah. Um, I think I speak for both Danny and myself uh, when we say that you've been an absolute pleasure to have on the <laughs> podcast. Your, your energy is amazing. You're just such a positive person. And also one of the most articulate people I've had the pleasure of speaking <laughs> to in my life. Um, and funny as hell, so. Funny as hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love you guys. I love you. (laughs) Thank you you. so much. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can shoot us an email by emailing fsmalltalk at gmail.com, reach out to us on Instagram at fsmalltalk, or visit our website, fsmalltalk.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend Ada for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram, at AidaSoLive. That's at A-I-D-A so live. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at soundcloud.com forward slash Ada so live. That's soundcloud.com forward slash A-I-D-A so live. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. So again, big thank you to Ada and Lonnie. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom. Love you. <laughs>